Leadership Lessons Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony J. Algeman. Data is everywhere in our businesses, and it takes leadership to make the most of it. We bring you the people, stories, and lessons to help you become a data leader. Today, we welcome Rex Alstrom. Rex is the Chief Technology Officer and EVP of Growth and Innovation at Synity. In this role, he handles global responsibilities for technology, strategy, and marketing support. He has a history of delivering results based on long-range planning with a high degree of accuracy. Previously, he held leadership roles at SAP. Rex, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Anthony. Really glad to be here. So like we do with all first-time guests, and, and we've known each other for a long time, So, it, uh, but like we do with first-time guests, why don't you take a few minutes and, and give us a little bit of the story of your career and kind of what led you up to the interesting work that you're doing at Synity today? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it, it's great to reconnect. Um, you know, I know it's been a while with all of the, the COVID challenges. We haven't been able to get out to the conferences and you know, sit down over a cup of coffee and talk about data, but uh, really glad to be able to do it with you here on the podcast. Yeah, um, yeah so my, my journey actually, um, I was just talking to somebody about this today, is, is kind of interesting because where I started was as an electrical engineer. And my dream when I was a kid uh, as an Estes model rocketeer, if anybody remembers Estes rockets, uh, was to be involved in space in some way, whether it was uh, designing electronics, whether it was being part of a program, whatever I could get my hands on, I was fascinated by it. And uh, ultimately, I was able to, to live that dream in, in my second job out of college, which was to build spacecraft. So got a chance to uh, build low Earth orbiting communication satellites. I worked on things like attitude control systems where I had to remember all my mechanical engineering courses, which I hated when I was in college. Um, but uh, it was a really awesome experience. And, and I thought for sure that that's where my career would take me for you know, the rest of my, my working days. Um, but I got bit by the entrepreneurial bug and uh, ended up leaving after a, a solid amount of time there to go and start my first company. So uh, it was quite a departure because in, in my job, I was working with lots of equipment and, and circuit design and test equipment. We were constantly in a lab with loads and loads of wires. And the first startup was a software business. Uh, no oscilloscopes, no radio frequency analyzers, nothing. Um, but uh, I really loved it. One, because it was an opportunity to create something new, something from scratch. Uh, and, uh, and the people that I worked with are really phenomenal. Um, that software lead took me into my second uh, business that I started, which was around data integration. So rather than starting in data, I actually started on the integration side. And integration at the time was really difficult, a lot of challenges. And so we came up with a way to focus on data modeling, look at things like canonical data models and how could we use that to make integration between applications simpler. Uh, ultimately, that company was acquired by SAP. And uh, when I jumped in, now it was fully into the data topic. So I was helping them with topics like asset information management. How can you look at data from the context of, say, manufacturing operations and trying to optimize how a company uh, delivers its product as well as how it maintains its plants? Um, and that uh, led me to Synity, ultimately, uh, where we were full-time focused on data as a topic really looking across the full spectrum of data quality, data migration, governance, master data management, all aspects of data. 
So when I left college, I didn't think I would be in the data market. I thought it would be in the space industry, um, but uh, it worked out perfectly uh, to lead me into something that I'm truly passionate about and love. Well, as a as a self-proclaimed representative of all of the data management industry, I will thank you for making that move because uh, you've been doing a lot to contribute to this community for for quite some time. So it's it's uh, we're glad it's it's you know aerospace is lost, but it's data's gain. So we are we are very happy <laughs> uh, to have brought you into this world. Um, so. How did uh, how did you end up at, at Cinity? I'm I'm really excited to to hear this story and and understand what it is that you're you're doing with this organization because I know these things you've done. yeah so Cinity um, and it was previously called Back Office Associates we rebranded it uh, several years ago uh, but when I was working at uh, SAP and driving the asset information management topic I ran across Cinity uh, through a mutual friend a gentleman had just taken over as CEO of the business. And uh, we got talking one day about what challenges they were going out to solve, the types of things they wanted to do in the marketplace. And next thing you know, we were through two or three pots of coffee and uh, we were at the whiteboard and we were doing all kinds of uh, exciting ideation. And, uh, and we looked at each other and went, hey, you know, maybe we should be working together on this. And, and that, uh, that led me to, to join uh, what is now Synity. And I'm happy to say that I've been here almost 10 years. So December uh, will be my 10 year anniversary with the company. And I've stayed because we're constantly evolving. We're constantly being challenged by the changes that are occurring in the market, having to respond to enterprise customer needs for increasing flexibility around how they manage data. Uh, so it's never gotten boring. Uh, it's always been exciting, and and I think that uh, I will definitely finish my career in the in the data space for sure. That's that's awesome, and and so in in full disclosure, I am today years old that I realized that back office associates became Citity. So that <laughs> that I did not realize it was the uh, yeah. the evolution of that business. So that's good because then I at yeah. least have more background of of what this this organization does. Can I ask you though yeah. what? What drove the name change? Because back office associates had cachet in the marketplace. That we we know that name, and so I'm curious if if you can talk about why why the name change. Yeah, I guess you can look at it through two lenses. Um, you know, one we had innovated it as a company, both in terms of what we do in software as well as what we deliver in our services beyond what the foundations of the company originally were. Originally, it was squarely focused in the data migration space. And we had evolved uh, a very advanced data management platform that really addressed more of a customer's journey with data. Right? How could you move beyond a transactional event like a migration and get into data operations and think about how you, for the long haul, uh, manage data as a strategic asset? And so when we looked at the business, back office associates, quite honestly, sounded a bit stodgy, right? It didn't necessarily reflect the innovation and the fast pace that we were pushing at Synity. Mm -hmm. And so Synity um, came about really by uh, playing with a couple words. Um, it's really the synergy between uh, business and data and being able to pull those together uh, to be able to create unlimited growth. Um, and we want to help customers really achieve that growth by focusing on data and what data can help them deliver as a as business. 
Awesome. Okay. Well, I'm glad to have that that background and, and understanding. That makes sense to me. But it, it's also good to know that you haven't, you know, abandoned the roots either of what that organization was. Right. It was a name change, not to change your business, but because the business had evolved. And that's um, that that's, that's right. good to see. So let's I. I I really want to understand, and and I think you know, as as we talked um, in in our prep session, we have a mix of an of audience that that some are, are deep data management professionals, others are entrepreneurs, others work for large organizations, others just like we see at conferences, just got given a job and they have to figure out what <laughs> in the world they're supposed to do with it. Um, you know, right. it's it's all across the gamut, right? And so for the benefit of everyone, can you give us some explanation of what is it that, that Synity does and and how it's different than other options that, that we see in the marketplace? Yeah. Uh, yeah, what you described is dead on, right? And I, I meet a lot of these people at conferences uh, in speaking engagements and one-on-ones with customers and executives. Uh, many people find themselves in roles dealing with data that came from someplace else, like myself. Right. And next thing you know, uh, you know, you're handed a large task of something that's really critical for the business and you've got to figure out what is it and, and how do I make this work? How do I deliver value in this role at the company that I'm at? And if you look historically at data management, like if I really go back to the roots, even some of the companies that I created around integration, it was largely an IT topic. It was not a topic that was focused on business users. Uh, of course, data has always been important to the business, but if there was something wrong with it, it was handed to IT, right? It's an IT function to go and figure this out. And therefore, the tools that have been built out there in the marketplace were really designed for IT or more highly technical users. So when we embarked on this journey, we wanted to change that paradigm. We wanted to look at how we could create uh, more community around the data topic and how we could deliver software that was approachable based on your role, not based on your skill. Uh, and you know, really bring that to the forefront so that more people in the enterprise uh, could see data as both a career option for them, uh, but also give them tools that help make them effective. And so that's really where we focused our software development, not on just going out and doing what had already been done, but trying to deliver a platform uh, that thinks more logically kind of how the business thinks about data. Well, and it, it, it's kind of the classic problem. And, and, you know, to amplify your one point is, is, you know, this is stuff that many organizations struggle with. I don't know that any organization feels like they have it all figured out. And it's, it's a constant show. It's, it's a constant struggle and it's a constant moving bar because the organizations are changing that the data needs are changing. The people's, you know, desires of what they want to do with it are, are constantly changing. And data mm -hmm. sits in this weird middle ground between traditionally business and technology sides of the house. And there's these struggles. Sometimes both sides are pulling on the data, trying to get it closer to them. And other times they're pushing it off, trying, <laughs> <laughs> to absolve themselves of the responsibility of fixing it or, or, right. or owning it or dealing with the mistake or, or what have you. And it's, I don't know that there is one answer. I just know that the answer involves all of it, the data itself, the business stakeholders, the technical stakeholders, and yeah. some sort of place to do work. There's stuff that we have to do with data to function as a business with that data. And so what Synity does helps us 
work with the data as data management or as is, is it does it provide analytics or does it provide yeah. you know business intelligence types of stuff what 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 is the functional um uh, capability set that that you're is it should i call it a product suite or a platform what what does that offer yeah it's it's really a platform play and um you know i would say uh because you 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 delivered a lot there in terms of uh how people feel about their jobs right and how they deal with data they're pushing it away or or pulling it in um and i i think that that's largely because a lot of people within these companies uh, had a full-time day job already, and then somebody came along and said, oh, by the way, you're responsible for the material master, or right. you're responsible for customer 360. Um, and their day job didn't go away, but now all of a sudden they had this burden of these new tasks, right? And so in that context, maybe the, uh, people's first experience at the business level was not necessarily fun when it came to data. Uh, it was uh, actually more stress and more burden upon them, right? Yeah. So part of the goal of what we designed, and really it's it's a philosophy that, that we believe in, is one, we want to make data fun again, <laughs> if you want to say that. Um, and, and the way that you do that is you don't look at it in an isolated project way, right? Most companies and people that deal with data, they have a project. There's some transactional event that it's a, that's occurring. We're, we're buying a company, we're divesting a company. We are uh, trying to improve our ability to deliver new products faster, or we need a better view of our customer and a singular view of our customer. Um, and then, so they initiate a project, they put a whole lot of people on it, they throw a bunch of tools at it, um, and then they complete it, sometimes successfully, sometimes not. And then another transactional event comes up. Maybe this time it's a master data management initiative. Maybe it's another data migration, something else. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and what was missing and what we tried to solve with our data platform is that every single touch point that you enter on, whether it's an MDM event, data quality event, migration event, a governance or compliance event, an analytics driver, you know, the, the list goes on and on. It's an opportunity because you're pulling business people and IT people together, you're assigning roles and responsibilities to capture knowledge, to capture information about what's important to the business. So at the core, we call it the Synity Knowledge Platform, but the center word, the core of the application is knowledge for the reason that if you can capture knowledge incrementally at every phase of the data journey, then you're going to accelerate the next time you deal with data. And it becomes more of an additive process that gets easier and easier, faster and faster, and less expensive, quite honestly, in terms of what you're gonna put into it from a service standpoint, software standpoint, et cetera. So that's our, our goal. The Synity Knowledge Platform is trying to help the business achieve a business outcome and to be able to capture and, and preserve the knowledge that was created because of uh, that project, you know, that uh, that got kicked off and people got assigned to. Yeah, the, it's I probably no secret to the audience that th this podcast is a bit of therapy for me, and and I think <laughs> that uh, you know you just touched on on one of my triggers, um, in that we lose so much 
from those projects and from those um, kind of transactional events where we have to go do a bunch of work to solve a problem in front of us. And if we just took a little bit of time, a little bit of energy to capture that in a way that it could be reused, we would save so much pain for future us. Like to me, that's, yeah. and, and that's what I'm hearing is like you, you say, Hey, we're not, we're not trying to change how you do your projects or how you, um, you know, strategy, you know, strategically change your business and, and, and what you're doing. What, what we're trying to do here is give you a place where that knowledge that you have to build to execute that project can be captured and used and shared from that point forward. Is that, is that a fair paraphrasing to, to what you've explained? Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, I wasn't joking when I said, Hey, let's try to make data fun again. Right. It is for some of us because we're just really into it and it's a, it's a lifelong passion. Um, but I, yeah, as an aside, it, it makes me laugh because I think of that uh, Saturday Night Live skit, uh, Debbie Downer. I don't know if you remember that one, but <laughs> oh, I, I know. know it well. <laughs> oh yeah. So Debbie Downer, you know, there are people are out and you know, they're having fun and they're, they're, you know, loving whatever it is they're doing. And then Debbie Downer comes along and says you know, something really negative, and you know you hear the sound wah wah wah, and everybody gets depressed, right? <laughs> so you know data can be that way too. It's like oh man, whew, we just finished that data migration. You know that was that was really challenging. Uh, I'm glad I can go back to my day job. And then Debbie Downer would come along and say, I think we're going to assign you to master data management. Wah wah wah. Yeah. <laughs> so you know if you captured information and knowledge if you thought of it as a journey and not a project you know then maybe rather than be in the downer you'd be excited that you get to take that expertise you get to take everything you did and accelerate another really high valuable deliverable for the company um, create more visibility within the business at the executive level at all levels uh, that everybody can participate in this journey with data and that everyone has a voice and a value in making it better and achieving a better outcome yeah, that way, it's more fun. Yeah, I, I I applaud you for this notion of trying to make data fun again, and and like I'm with you. I love the data stuff, but man, that's that's a big lift. That's that's yeah. a challenging one, and it makes me think though, like you know the 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 Debbie Downer um, analogy is, is I think appropriate, and I think about things like something as as straightforward as assigning ownership to a data set or data source or something like that. And like, who is being a data owner, a good thing or a bad thing? Is it something that people want to be or something that people want to run yeah. away from? And I've seen it both ways, but to, to some extent, it's a matter of glass half full glass, half empty. It's, it's, is this an opportunity to drive future benefit in a, in a meaningful and noticeable way, because if that's the case, I think people would be more drawn to being data owners. If it's a place to get in line so yeah. you can be the first person hit by a bus, that is not the thing you, you want to do. Right. <laughs> and so, yeah, exactly. You know, how, and, and, and I'm not sure that there's an, an a good answer here, but how does what Synity has help us do those kind of opportunity seeking assignments mm. and, and opportunity how how do we make it fun when it's it's this is not simple the, we don't get to just decide whether somebody is going to find the notion of being a data owner a good thing we've got to give them a real reason and like in my data leadership book i talk about like 
we want to align the people that are going to get the benefit from whatever this work is with the people we're asking to do the work wherever we can bring those together. Mm -hmm. I, I joke with my team all the time. It's like, it's, it's the little red hen theory of management, right? How do we all share in the benefits of, of the bread that gets baked with the work of making it happen? And, and the more we can align that, the more directly tied the incentives are, the more interested people are in, in helping that. How does, how does what Synity has help facilitate that? Yeah, um, uh, we, we do this in software basically by focusing on data outcomes, mm -hmm. right? Um, too often data projects are looked at uh, in a more analytical way. Like, we need what's the current state of data quality, completeness, uh, you know, all of the different dimensions in our pick your favorite master data management uh, object or master data object. And um, you know, what I would argue with the businesses, well, if it's 99.7, I, I guess we would say that's pretty good if, if your completeness and accuracy and quality and all your dimensions are high. Um, what would it mean to the business if it was 99.3? And then that's usually where you get blank stares because they don't know, right? right. So, uh, and this is where executives, quite honestly, lose interest in data and lose interest in funding data programs because it's a theoretical exercise and they can't tie it to a business outcome. Mm -hmm. So because of our lineage as a company of coming from services, coming from working with the global 2000 and solving really complex data challenges, we were able to arrive at an outcome with them that was meaningful to the business, right? So we focus our software less on the rote mechanics of ETL, data quality checks, master data management, object creation, and more on, well, how is that impacting my order to cash process? Uh, how is that impacting my inventory carry? How is that impacting my time to new product introduction, right? Things that when you say them to your CFO or to other line of business executives, they go, well, that is really important to me. So we have a key focus there of bringing content from our services knowledge, embedding that with software so that you're not just starting with it with a blank tool and driving to an outcome. Now, Independent of what software you use, my recommendation for your listeners is start small and win fast. Mm -hmm. um, you know, too often these initiatives get big, the money gets big, and then uh, executives are questioning why things are being done. Uh, to the point of making data fun again, it's fun when you as an individual contributor at that company or as part of a team can point to something meaningful that has happened in the business because of your work. Right. We're all motivated by success and we like to see that success be recognized. And if you impact the business in a positive way and drive a meaningful outcome for the business, people take notice and then you feel good about the work you're doing and it motivates you to do more, right? Mm -hmm. uh, to participate more and to deliver more. And other people will notice, other lines of business will notice and they're going to want to contribute. Right. So it's, it's almost creating a culture. Uh, within the business where that team over there that's focused on data keeps delivering value to the business and keeps getting recognized in our newsletters and our win stories and all the other things. Mm -hmm. you know, that's what you want. Um, so 
you know, again, when you're looking at tools, when you're looking at uh, service providers, when you're looking at your own projects you're gonna pick, you know, win fast, start small, grow big, and focus on that outcome. That's probably the most critical thing you could do. Yeah, well, and and you know, for folks that understand and, and follow what what I talk about with data leadership, you know, to me that's that's the definition of data value. It's it's what is the actual impact to the business from any of the stuff that we're doing, because that's what matters. What matters is the the change that happens for the business, and and I think you've you've talked about that in a few contexts where it's like the the small change in a number has zero impact on a business so of course an executive's tuning out because they are focused on things that have impact to the business similarly yeah. when we're asking for people to help us with data management types of activities we need to see some line of sight to how does this change things for the better and i think the examples that are good proxies for business impact can be those things that are celebrated, those things that are uh, noticeable for others in the in the organization, because we're all part of a, of a long chain of events that lead to great business, right? We have yeah. a lot that goes into that, and we're really early in that chain when we're dealing with data management stuff. And that's why it's so hard for many data governance efforts to justify their existence, because even though they may have a huge impact, it's spread across so many things, it's easy to lose through the noise of all of that happening. And so yeah. if we can bring visibility, I think that's a huge thing for anyone who's trying to work with data and invest in data. If we can bring the value proposition forward and, and point to here is how we have impacted this organization in a meaningful, measurable way, it goes a very long way to getting these kinds of efforts sustainable. And, and to your point around, too often these things, they, they grow too big too quickly, and then they have a higher burden of justification, and they haven't built out the framework to justify it. Of course, yeah. an executive is going to say, I'm not spending another million dollars on that thing, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that the as technologists, right, we're, we're in technology, uh, you probably have a mix of listeners that maybe are more on the technology side, maybe more on the business side. Uh, but we also uh, tend to get enamored with things that are overhyped and think, okay, this is going to be the thing that's going to solve, uh, you know, all of my problems. Uh, AI and ML, I think, is a is a classic example, right? There's a lot of excitement around it. Uh, there's a lot of potential around it. But it's how do you take advantage of things like AI and ML to improve the things we talked about earlier, whether it be an outcome whether it be making it fun for users to participate in the data process, you know, what is it, right? So making AI and ML not a data science project and not something that, okay, we're gonna check it off the list because we now have it in our tech stack, but what impact did it have, right? So that's also something that we think about a lot in designing software. So the use of those technologies for us are about trying to remove some of the mundane and rote work that is associated with data. And that's the other problem with the data profession is that a lot of times there's just hard work that you have to plow through with data, whether it's mm -hmm. discovering what data live in my systems, whether it's understanding the meaning and tagging massive, you know, terabyte upon terabyte or petabytes of information that, that live within the enterprise. Um, and this is where we can use technologies to say, 
can you guide me? Give me recommendations on the three things I can do today that will actually improve our position as a business. Or can you do more automation and less manual work because we're taking the mundane aspects of data management away and automating those? So yeah, we have to, as all in the industry that produce software, not just yeah, tout the, uh, the acronyms, uh, but actually turn them into something that delivers meaningful value to the data stewards that are in the businesses trying to do this work. Yeah, that, I mean, that is a that is a very good point. And, and it's something that, you know, is, is true. Like there's no software that's going to remove the work involved with data. It, it, it may facilitate it, may make it easier. But it, as much as we would love to have an easy button, we don't know, like we know that there's no easy button, but that doesn't mean we still don't want one. And and the biggest right. mistake is when you think, oh wait, now I found it. This thing, it's like it's like a, a perpetual a perpetual motion machine, right? Like it doesn't exist. We cannot create one. And any time you think you have created one, you are wrong. At least up till now. But it doesn't pe doesn't mean people don't keep trying, right? Or or yeah, or, yeah. or a craps betting strategy. A craps betting strategy, no matter what it is. <laughs> will not be a long-term uh, winner in, in the long run. That is, that is mathematically proven, but it, it doesn't mean people don't keep trying. And so it, it yeah. makes sense to me. So let's move in a, in a, in a direction because I want to understand, like, so we don't, we, we've heard a little bit about what your software does and how it's oriented towards the outcomes and, and, you know, really tying into what we, I think both agree is the most important thing, which is, is how are we impacting the business? How do we do that? <laughs> like, how do we actually implement? Because I can't imagine it's just software. We're going to get people to do things a little yeah, bit differently. Right. How do we actually go about implementing and, and changing these businesses for a better working vicinity? Yeah, it's a it's a very good point. Um, a lot of companies rush to solve things with tools. Um, you know, look, software is kind of seen as the easy button, but in reality, uh, if you look at something like a master data management initiative, there is much change management involved in changing how people interact today, either with their applications, each other, business processes, what they need to be trained on, as there is implementing a new tool. And so uh, I think that first we have to look at what are all of the aspects that we need to consider. Do we have executive level sponsorship? Have we effectively measured the impact to the business and what it means from a day-to-day -day change management perspective for people may that may now uh, be contributing to our process, no longer being held in close quarters within a center of excellence. Um, I think the other thing, and, and this is something that, that we preach a lot at the company, which is that when you go in and sell to the Global 2000, and I've had many uh, instances of this, the first thing they say is, well, look, we've been in business for 100 years. We already have one of everything. So why do I need something else? Right. So a lot of tools are out there, um, but they're not doing the job. Right. They're engaging in yet another project. And I think that as an industry and as customers, we have to ask ourselves, why? Why, if I have MDM software, ETL software, data quality software, uh, 
governance software, then why can't I execute this migration effectively? Why can't I implement standards like CCPA or GDPR effectively? Um, and I think the answer lies in that people don't look at data through the lens of being on a journey. They look at it through the lens, going back to what I said earlier, of it's a project, we need to get it done, and we're going to throw some tools, people, and money at it, and then we're going to be done, and then we're going to walk away. Right? So change management, consider all of the aspects that are being impacted. Tools will not be the silver bullet. You already have one of everything. So what is it that I need to now make those tools effective and to take the company on this journey that will allow us to get out of what amounts to like the movie Groundhog Day? getting up every day and then it's just like the day before right how do you break yeah. the cycle so how long does this take like how do we <laughs> how do we make these kinds of changes it, it i i don't want to be skeptical but i also mm -hmm. want to be realistic in that there's been a lot of attempts at this and yeah. i think that a lot of people and and in in many cases i talk about a, a intent versus your reality and and it's just like my my young children they they're like well i didn't mean to hit them and and cause them pain but <laughs> you did right like i didn't mean to cause this big mess but you did right. we mean well we want to solve these problems we wanted to solve these problems for a long time but though we intended to solve them things have gotten in the way they've become difficult they've we haven't achieved that what's different in, in what you're offering and, and how you approach the entirety of that, you know, uh, system. And maybe you can talk a little bit about your engagement model of how you do yeah. this and implement it in a way that really creates lasting change. Yeah. So actually um, I'll talk about uh, something relatively new that, that we had rolled out uh, recently called data jumpstart. And the concept behind it was what you were just describing, right? Our software has been in the market for a while. We've got expert consulting that knows how to go in and, and make uh, things happen at a company and to create value, but companies are fatigued. You know, they've heard all of this before and they're saying, again, you know, do I have to do this again? Uh, or the, I have one of everything conversation. Right. So what Data Jumpstart is designed to do is to say, hey, Here's a very low touch, low cost entry point where we're going to focus on something that we believe is meaningful to the business. And again, what particular business processes for you in your industry, whether it's in retail or life sciences or in manufacturing, is critical to you that if you could move the needle even 5 or 10% in terms of that business process or outcome, uh, that it would mean something to the business. So even if you stop right there, you will have gained value. Right? Yeah. So Data Jumpstart is just that. It's looking at tooling and software. Uh, of course, for us, it's the Cinity Knowledge Platform. Uh, but it's also then that high-value content. It's the expertise baked into the product. Uh, it's knowing the applications that you use in that particular process so that in a very short period of time, you can demonstrate value. So it's low risk, a low bar for entry, but builds value on the back end. Now we've had specific examples with customers um, in the finance sector, 
in this particular, I won't mention her name, but a particular customer in Switzerland. And we started this way. We started by doing a data jumpstart and we got in and it was very low cost and we delivered value. Well, that customer all of a sudden became enthralled because they then understood that they could finally break the cycle. And for us, it turned into a very large engagement and honestly partnership with this company that allowed us to move forward in a meaningful way that now they could put more money behind it. They could demonstrate the value to the other executives and their board members. And uh, it went from, you know, a very small engagement to a very large engagement. But again, it was based on achieving those early wins and demonstrating a path to higher value. Is this something that, you know, even though you're like, I love the the data jumpstart. You can you can start small. You can deliver value. Those are all good things for uh, sustainable investments and 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 building this over time. So I'm I'm fully on board with that. Is this something that can add long term value, isolated within an individual department or function, or do you always have an enterprise view, and that's that has to be the long-term vision of the journey? Or can this be something that yeah. one department says, we got to do this, we're going to do this this way, and that's as far as it's going to go? Can that still be successful or does it have to have an enterprise context in mind? It's a great question. And and I'm going to answer it maybe with, a, with two answers. Um, the first is, if you look at how software has been sold to date, it's usually by users, or if it's an on-prem piece of software, it's a number of cores, and it's typically around a particular module or function. Right? I'm gonna buy X amount for X users of this uh, uh, data warehouse, or I'm gonna buy X cores or X number of users uh, for this ETL tool. Uh, so, or I'm gonna buy an MDM product, but only for material master. I'm not gonna consider the others because mm -hmm. it gets priced like that. Um, when we think of the democratization of data and, and really involving more data stewards, all of those models are counter to what we've been talking about, which is we want as many people involved and we want you to have all the tools in the kit bag so that you know, when you're climbing that mountain, you realize you don't have the right carabiner you're not hanging off the side of the mountain going, I better call my sales guy uh, because I need something different. Um, so our philosophy has been, we put all of the product in one platform and you have access to every single function that's there. Um, we're going to give you content that allows you to take it from a shell of a tool to something that's meaningful in your business. And then it's up to you how far you wanna take it. Because look, ultimately, and this is the second part of your question, we're all businesses that are limited by budgets and annual cycles and profit targets and everything else. And maybe it is that this year you can only focus it with inside of one line of business or one geo of your operating company. Um, but that shouldn't be a limiter, right? You still have all the tools and you can get value there. But as you demonstrate value and you wanna use more, then you can incrementally expand the contract, right? not based on a tools basis, not based on users, not based on arbitrary limiters, like how many processing cores you have in your environment, uh, but based on the value that you're gonna generate from that product usage. 
So yeah, you can stop at a line of business and they may be very happy with that result uh, based on budgets and, and their goals, um, but it won't limit them in the future from expanding it to an enterprise level. Yeah, well, I, I definitely appreciate that answer. And, and when I'm wearing the hat of, of a person on the industry side and you know, looking at software purchases and, or, or engagements with firms and, and trying to take on these kinds of change initiatives, I often find that it's best to do that kind of proof of concept or, or prototype and seeing where it goes. It's a lot more telling than you know, l listening to sales pitches and trying to figure out how it might work. It's like, let's see it. Let's, let's do it. Let's spend a little bit of time and really assess it. And then we, we will go in eyes wide open and we can really put the investment where we know it's going to work, not where we think it's going to work. And that I found yeah. the most success, um, the most times when you can see the whole thing in action in a, in a limited context and really understand what you're getting into. It's, it's a more, to me, it's a more honest way of developing yeah. those deep relationships inside businesses. And that's true of data management software. That's that's true of consulting. That's true of really anything. And, I, and I'm hopeful that more organizations are going to see the benefit of that kind of uh, incentive alignment that, you know, wasn't always the case in the in the software industry, especially, or the, or the technology platform industry, especially. Um, so I, I really do yeah. like last week on the episode uh, on the show, we had a person who uh, started a, a cybersecurity business. And similarly, their business is extremely well aligned. Last week, we talked about having uh, this kind of alignment where when you do good work and when you uh, achieve success for your clients, that encourages them to work with you more and you continue to try to do your best work. And, and that's something where I think a lot about these these incentives and these and these where where are the interests of the organizations aligned and when we can establish partnerships that are in pure alignment where there's no you know splitting of the pie it is all growing the pie together that's when it, and business heck you know let alone software technology that's when business is at its best and finding those opportunities are those those golden moments that that we're all looking for as as we're leading our teams leading our businesses leading our, our departments or, or what have you really well said couldn't have said it any better <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. The the check is in the mail. Um, but, so do you have, and, and, and we only have a couple minutes left, but you know, I'm, I'm still trying to think through like how, as you know, a, a team lead or as a department lead or as a, a, you know, entrepreneur or what have you, do, is there a minimum viable size where working with Synity makes sense? Or is there, I, I, I think based on, on the talk of the of the Global 2000, there's no upper limit, like any organization of, of great scale makes sense. But is there a lower limit where you say, you know, until you have X number of people or X amount of revenue that it probably, you probably don't need a tool this capable. Have you, do you have any rules of thumb on that? Uh, so typically we have focused on the global 2000, um, and it's partly because their data challenges are so complex, uh, that we bring and can demonstrate a massive amount of return on investment. Uh, yeah, day one, we, if we're not focused on delivering that ROI study as part of also the proposal that we're going to bring to you, then we haven't done our job, right? We have to make sure that this is going to deliver a return. Um, and as you said, as you're smaller, uh, let's say you're you know, 50 million or 100 million in revenue, 
your data challenges may be solved with using Excel. They may be solved with using traditional tools that are going to be less expensive or are going to be maybe already in your kit bag. Um, on the other hand, you don't have to always buy a tool, right? So if you're trying to get value as a smaller company, start with finding somebody that you trust to have the conversation about what it is you're trying to achieve. Right? Advocacy and consultancy, not just to sell services, but to sell your experience and knowledge and to basically help you from falling into the potholes that uh, somebody that has more experience has already stepped into is invaluable to any size business. Right? Um, and then it's a question of how big is the challenge and what is the right tool to match to that. Um, we're, we're currently uh, delivering and we'll have a lot of new solutions out next year that are going to provide more self-service capabilities to our customers. And in that way, it'll allow us to uh, approach more of the market. Um, but today, uh, I would say find an advocate, find somebody that you trust and is an expert in data and begin there and then grow as your business grows and as your demands grow. Yeah, I think that's good advice. And and, it's, and I'm glad to hear that you're going to have some more self-service tools that may um, be a little bit more approachable for uh, smaller right. organizations. But, you know, I, I have been known to bad mouth, I guess, is what the consultants might say I do, uh, which for a person who spent, you know, a good half of his career being a consultant, that's um, not necessarily a wise thing to do. But I, I don't like when things are, are misaligned. But there is something to what you said there, and that is the skills necessary to unravel this complexity are difficult to build. And, and it's something that you really need exposure to a wide array of different environments, different challenges. You have to have failed. You have to have succeeded. You have to understand all of these complexities. And heck, the, the Data Leadership Lessons podcast is a good example of that each week we have somebody who goes super deep in an area that none of us, the rest of us, really understands at that level. And, and there's... Yeah dozens and dozens of episodes as we sit today. And so it's how do we, you know, tap into that knowledge in a way that we can deploy it while we need it. We don't need it forever. We just need to understand it, bring it in, bring our processes alongside it, learn from it, and then get to the next thing. That's where consultants shine. That's where, where specialists shine because they dedicate so much energy to going deep in that one thing. We do want to be thinking about how do we do that, bring in their knowledge, make sure to compensate those people very well for that knowledge, for doing that thing, but don't park them there to make you feel comfortable for the next six months at $400 an hour. That's not exactly. going to be a good investment. Yeah. And, and look, a lot of people claim to be credible in data. Uh, and you know, we've, we've made a good business also of uh, doing some ambulance chasing and coming into those that claimed to be good at data and then blew the place up and we had to put them back on track. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, part of it is, is not assuming that there's an easy button to your point earlier, uh, checking the credentials, obviously, but also getting free advice, right. Engage with companies that are experts in this area. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, see what you're hearing from them. Are they coming in and immediately just trying to sell you a contract for an evaluation? Or have they spent time understanding 
your company, if you're public looking at your, uh, your public information about what the drivers are behind your business and come in with a feel for your industry and maybe some of the challenges you're facing. If you're not hearing from whether it's the consultants or the software providers that they're speaking to your pain points early on, then maybe you don't have the right company at the table. Uh, because again, too often it's a rush to buy this evaluation contract, we'll buy this magical tool, AI, ML, blah, 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 uh, and it'll solve all your problems. And we know, you know, and I know, especially that in data, it's a lot more than that. Yeah, well, kind of one of the themes of the episode is it's been, I mean, there is no easy button. And if a person's trying to say that they're selling you one, they're probably not being honest about it. You know, if the, if the consultant comes in with yeah. all this bravado about how it's super complicated and only they can solve it. I've been studying this and learning about this for a long time and I keep learning more and everything I learn teaches me that on a percentage basis, I know way less than I thought I knew <laughs> every time. The more <laughs> I learn, the less I realize I know. And that's yeah. expertise. And I won't claim, I, I talked to Bob Seiner about this all the time. He's a frequent guest on the show. And, and like, I'm very hesitant to call myself an expert at anything because mm -hmm. I know enough to know how little I know in the grand scheme of things. And to have that comfort to be open about, hey, I, I won't pretend to have all the answers. I have some good questions and I can hopefully find some people who do have good answers. But the fact is, is that we all know a sliver of what's possibly known. And if we can cobble enough of us together and figure out how to solve a particular problem, we can get the right thing done. But you know, just right. be careful out there because there are so many things that are, are you know, representing as easy buttons that just aren't. So, um, you know, this has been, you know, a, a fun conversation for me. It's been great catching back up and, and hearing the latest with, with Synity and, and what you guys are, are offering. Unfortunately, uh, we're completely out of time. So, Rex, I, I thank you so much for being on the show. This is this has been a, an amazing episode. And, and hopefully I think a lot of people out there are going to learn a lot from from listening to it and watching it. Well, I, I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, anytime that I can get a chance to, to talk with somebody like you, Anthony, that has a shared passion around data, I, I love to do it. So really appreciate the opportunity to be here, talk a little bit about what I do and what our company does. But more importantly, hopefully uh, the audience got some value from that. I'm, I'm absolutely sure they did. And to the audience out there, thank you all for, for joining us today. You'll find more information and links in the show notes. Dive deeper with my book at dataleadershipbook.com and use promo code AlgmanDL at the Dataversity Online Training Center for 20% off your first purchase. Please remember to follow Data Leadership Lessons on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoy the show, please rate and review and help others find us. Stay safe during these unusual times and go make an impact.